Hey, it's Louise's Bible Study again. We've been talking about prayer. And I want to pick up, um, bring up a couple of areas that I think we need to talk about. And in, uh, in receiving your answer to your prayers. The Lord says, don't take sides against the word. And if you're going to keep saying your faith isn't working... You're taking sides against the word. You're not walking in faith. You're not believing you receive. You're believing you didn't receive, and that is what's, what undoes your prayer. We, we talked last time a little bit about confession and how confession doesn't change God. Confession changes you. But you cannot say in your heart, that you believe one thing and then speak out of your mouth something that's totally contrary to what you're believing. James says that a double-minded man shall receive nothing from the Lord, that he is unstable in all of his ways. You need to pick a lane and stay in it. <clears throat> Quit switching lanes. Um, stay with what you believe, and if you're if you're at that point where you haven't gotten to the point where you're you're really not sure sometimes of what's going to come out of your mouth maybe you need to just meditate and i want to i want to look at joshua 1 8 because i want to give you some practical ways to make to make a confession out of your mouth so that you will stay in line with your heart joshua 1 8 <clears throat> says this book of the law should not depart out of your mouth with um with um out thinking about it first the whole issue in this verse in chapter 8 of Joshua 1 the whole issue of this verse is not confession but meditating before you confess think about what god is saying to you and then speak it you know, run it over in your mind. Look at the scriptures. Envision yourself with your imagination. Seeing yourself healed, prosperous, delivered, whatever the circumstances are. See yourself as God sees you. See yourself in the answer and not the problem. We get so caught up in talking about the problem that we end up glorifying Satan more than we do God. Because God always has the answer. But if we talk the problem, we forget the answer. You have to think about it. You have to let it roll around in your brain. You have to, you have to think about what's going on. And, um, and what you want. And what the word says. And what the different scripture says. You know, Satan can steal it from you. And he can steal it in a lot of different ways. And one of the ways that you guard your heart and your mind is that you you don't go around spewing out in front of everybody what you're believing because you're you could be talking this up in front of somebody that's totally not on the same page with you and become very argumentative with you about it and can talk you out. Ever had somebody try to talk you out of what you believe? And if you're not really thoroughly convinced, 
that what God is willing to do for you, you can get talked out of it. And so you have to, you, you cannot let yourself get set up to fail. God wants you to, to be set up to succeed. And so he's trying to give you some examples of how we need to be set up to succeed. Um, you know, Satan will bait you. Just about the time that you um, think you've got it, he will give, he'll corner you. He'll put you in a situation where you're cornered. And in that instance, it'd be better for you to keep your mouth shut and to meditate on what you're believing than to run it off and tell other people what you're believing when you're not fully convinced yourself that what God is going to do, he's able to do. Because in that instance, you can get talked out of your faith. Meditate in Hebrews is the word hagas, H-O-G-A-S. And it means to imagine, image, study, mutter, and speak. And as you think on it, speak it. But study must come first. And as you study, the word becomes part of your heart. And when you speak it, then you water the word. But you've got to plant the word first. And you've got to plant it in prepared ground. You can't just throw it out there on rocky soil and think that you're going to, to, that it's going to take root. The ground has to be tilled up. It has to be prepared. And then you plant your seed. And let me say something about when you're believing God for something. If you're, I just pick healing. Um, if you're believing God for healing in a certain area, and you've planted that seed of healing, you know that word has been planted in your heart. Don't go and dig it up every day to see if that seed is growing. Because if you go and start digging it up every day, it never will be able to take root. And when I say digging it up, what I mean is so often we go, well, I'm believing God for healing in this area. And then we get up in the morning and we move our hands, move our feet. We do something to check out have we received that manifestation of healing. And then when we don't have the manifestation right then, then we go and start doubting whether our prayer was ever answered. And so you, you're digging that word up again, and then you're going to have to go and replant it. Um, plant the seed, and then water the seed. And how do you make a confession? Find scriptures on the area that you're believing God for. If it's in divine healing, you find some scriptures that pertain to it. You can go and get a concordance. You can look in certain topical Bibles. There are all kinds of ways that people have out there. There is no excuse for not you not being able to. You can get on the Internet and just ask, just run scriptures on healing. And I can give you a couple here. Psalms 103, 1 through 3, Proverbs 4, 20 through 22, Isaiah 53, 3 through 5. 
Matthew 8, 16-7, and 1 Peter 2, 24. Study the scriptures. Meditate on them throughout the day, all day long. And when, when doubt tries to come, cast, the, cast it down. Refuse to receive it. Doubt's from Satan. God's not going to one minute ask you to believe him and then throw doubt in your face. No, that's coming from the enemy. He's the one that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So you have to cast that vain imagination that exalts itself against the word of God. You do that. Confess the scriptures out loud. You know, you take in the word But when you speak it out of your mouth, you're hearing those words of faith all over again. And that you're watering that seed. You're watering that seed with faith. Um, And then expect a a manifestation. Expect, have an expectancy. That's where the, the praise and the worship... You know, because if you're expecting <clears throat> that God's going to come through for you, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> then you will praise and worship. You will have joy in your heart. You don't care what the symptoms look like because you know the answer is coming. It may come today. It may come the next minute. But it may come, it may be two weeks. You know, sometimes... The answer doesn't come immediately. Um, the You know, the devil is going to try to bring back symptoms on a person to see if you really believe what what God says about his word. But, um, but many Christians are believing the devil more than they're believing God. And so you have to figure out, pick who you want to believe. <clears throat> You have to confess, you have to believe, and you have to stand your ground. You, you cannot allow worry to come into your heart. Now, there's one area here that I want to talk about, and it's called forgiveness. And this is this will hang people up more in the area of receiving their answers in prayer. And because... A lot of times we can harbor unforgiveness in our hearts and not even realize we still have it. But I'm going to tell you one way you can find out that you still have it is when you keep bringing it up. When you keep bringing it up over and over again, then you're chewing on that unforgiveness. You know, it all goes back to the love walk. And there's... Several factors that uphold our faith walk and and our faith in how we're believing God in prayer. One is you hope. That's your vision. That's what you're praying for. You have you have the scripture and your 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 vision is is receiving the answer in that scripture. That's your hope. That's what you're aiming toward. And then you have patience which is that time period between when you have prayed and when you receive the answer. And I think in this society today, 
that is one of the most difficult things for a lot of people to do is to be patient and waiting on God. And, you know, God doesn't always answer you immediately because he really wants to build in you godly character. And you're not going to get there if you get the answer immediately. And so patience is part of that. And the other one is love. Boy, I tell you what, we don't have a lot of deep teaching on the love walk. And when I was not too long ago, uh, had really poured out my heart to the Lord and told him I really wanted to grow spiritually. I really wanted to be more like Jesus. I really wanted to manifest the character of my father in my life. And the first thing he did was point me to these to these love scriptures and um i have them laminated they're by my bed and not every night but almost every night and if i've stumbled every night uh i get these scriptures out and i read them and i think about them and i don't just think about them at night i think about them during the day and You can be guaranteed that if you have decided that you're going to walk in the agape kind of love, Satan is going to set you up. He will do it. You can count on it. And if you know you're going to get set up, then you're already prepared to deal with it. And the way you deal with it is through the love walk and how God tells you to walk love. I'm going to give you some of this so that we can think about some of them. I love this here. It's... um. Love does not demand its own way. Oh boy, do we do that in our society? It's all about me and my rights and what I want. And it I get to have it regardless of how it affects other people. Uh, it's, it is not irritable or touchy. Have you ever been around people It's looked like they've got a chip on their shoulder and they're just waiting? They're just waiting for you to knock it off. It, they're so uncomfortable to be around because you never know when you're going to say something that's going to set them off. And um, love does not hold a grudge. Uh, it will hardly even notice when others do wrong. You know, so often we're just we're just baiting people. We're just waiting to check someone out to see where they're going to do wrong. And when they do, oh, we grab hold of that thing. We'll take it home. We'll chew on it. We'll nurse it. Um, if you love someone, you'll be loyal to them, no matter what the cost. You will always believe in that person. You will always expect the best of them. You will stand your ground to defend them. You know, I've had instances where people who are Christians, and I've actually had a Christian who refused to give up a place that they had, that they a, a situation, something they wanted to do, because they didn't want to lose their, their spot. And on top of that, they weren't willing to defend other Christians against people that were saying bad things or treating them in a bad way. If you see a brother or sister in the Lord that's being mistreated and you stand there in silence, 
you're giving you're giving that you're giving them the okay that you think it's all right for them to do that. And you know, sometimes we need to defend each other. We need to stand up. We don't have to verbally get into a, a spitting match with everybody, but you can silently walk with that person, put your arm around them, comfort them, and in your own way, say, I'm not going to be a part of this group. I'm not going to be a part of people that want to act this way. You need to take a stand in defending the one you love. Love is never jealous. It is never self-assertive. It is not blustery. It is not inconsiderate. It never seeks its own ends. It keeps no score of wrongs. Boy, my husband used to say when we were first married, and we would, I would get into a, and this was really when I was not a very mature Christian like I want to be, and um, and we would get into a disagreement, and I would bring up some something in the past that he had either said or done, and he said, you know, Louise, you have a memory like an elephant for wrongs. And uh, you just you just keep a list, and you keep bringing them back up and throwing them in my face. Well, you know, I did. That's exactly what I did. And it was so unfair. It was so unfair because, you know, you can never move on in a relationship as long as you keep that other, other person bound up by your unforgiveness. And you keep reminding them of their shortcomings. It's going to come back on you one day. You're going to find that you're surrounded by somebody that's constantly reminding you of your shortcomings. Um, love cannot be provoked. Whew, I love that. It cannot be provoked. Um, I know we've all been in situations. We've been around people that have not uh, agreed with us, who um, have not um, thought the way we thought. I had a Bible study in my home once, and I was teaching on healing, and there were some people, and um, it was really the men, and I felt like a cornered sheep, and they were wolves. They went after me, I mean, like you wouldn't believe, and they were just angry about what I was teaching, even though what I was teaching was biblical, it went against their religion. It went against what they they wanted to believe. They they were not teachable at all. But on top of that, they were just angry. And I remember sitting there, and I refused to be provoked. I thought, I am not going to get angry. I am not going to get into this, Satan. I am not going to cooperate with you. Uh, and I, I smiled and I let it go. And finally, one of them came back and told my husband, says, I'm really embarrassed the way I acted, that I, I really should apologize to your wife. I was wrong. But, you know, when you get into being provoked, then all you're doing is just going to become worse and worse and worse. Because love stops evil, but evil only promotes more evil. Strife only promotes more strife. And if you've ever come up against somebody that wants to have an argument with you, and you just smile at them, and you just say, I love you, they have nowhere to go. They have nowhere to go. It stops it dead in its tracks. 
Love knows how to be silent. It can overlook faults. Oh, that one. I tell you what, that's a good one, particularly for us women, because we really love to tell other people how how we have been wronged. If you've ever had somebody hurt you, uh, you want to run to the telephone and call up your buddies and tell your buddies what this person has done against you. And you want them to love on you and to tell you how wonderful you are and poor, poor you. And God says, no. He says, you stay silent. You keep your own counsel. You don't talk about when other people have done wrong to you. Um, Love stays. And this one, I think, is very good for all of us. We need to think about this one. Love stays in difficult relationships with kindness. You know, some of y'all are, are, you find yourself in a workplace environment. And some of the people you have to go to work with are not Christians. Some of them, um, and I say not Christians, I tell you, sometimes Christians can be worse than non-Christians. Um, sometimes Christians can be meaner than non-Christians. Um, but regardless, you may, you may have to work with a person that I often say does not have a filter on their mouth. They say things in a harsh way, in a curt way, and it cuts through you. It hurts. It's painful. And you're just always on edge with them. And you never know how they're going to take something that you say wrong. And it's a very difficult environment for you to have to be in. But you know what? God says love stays in difficult relationships with kindness. Because your kindness is the greatest witness that person will ever see. Because... If you're not a Christian and you don't have the agape love in your heart, you can't stay in that relationship. In the natural, you can't do it. But in the in the supernatural, in the spirit realm, you have the God-given ability to stay in that relationship. And just think about it. Do you think God's asking you to do something that he doesn't have to deal with you on a daily basis with? How? If you look back on it, we don't we haven't we haven't always made it easy for God to stick around with us. I mean seriously. Um but he does. And um pl- love never plays one upmanship nor does it react to those who do. Love is not rude, it is not grasping or overly sensitive and it does not Uh, search for imperfections and faults in others. Um, Love is the most enduring quality of human existence. Love is trust in God in every situation and expects God to act in all circumstances. Love never places her own interest first. You know, when um, I have been in churches, I have been in conventions, I have been in places where we've had really top-noted 
spiritual teachers and they they know the word of god up one side and down the other they know about faith up one side and down the other but the one area that they sometimes have neglected is their love walk and humility is not a big factor in their lives and we've you used to make a big deal about uh if you go to one of these meetings they would save seats up in the front for the big names to come and sit down and be up front and uh you could see some of them come in and if they didn't have their seats up front they would get mad and leave that's a wonderful example isn't it I really want to sit under that minister's um, teaching. You see, the hardest area of ministry I think there is, is the pastor. And that's because teachers can come, they can put on a front, they can teach and leave and take their shortcomings with them. But a pastor, uh, he's got to deal with the sheep on a daily basis. And it's very, um, either a pastor grows in love or it will destroy him in his ministry because it's very difficult dealing with baby sheep and um so love is is so important in our lives and if we it when we have situations that arrive love is is um patient love is kind um you know when you you go into you know i have been where i have gone through a checkout line and the poor girl behind in the counter is tired, her feet hurt, she's been there all day. And then I come through, and maybe she doesn't smile at me. Maybe she doesn't greet me like I think she should. But I will say something nice. I will say, oh, your hair is so pretty. Or you've got such a pretty smile. Or I hope your day is blessed. And you will see their face just light up, just totally light up. Um one time i remember i was in line and this uh, gentleman had uh, his little girl oh about a toddler two-year-old maybe even less and he had his hands full and i was in front of him and he was trying to deal with the things that he wanted to check out and the squirming child and i just looked at him and i said why don't you take why don't you take my place you go first, you, you, and, and, and if you want me to, I'll hold the baby for you while you get things checked out. But I said, you go on and go first. And I ran into him at a store that had opened up and he was the manager and he came up to me and he said, I just want to introduce you to my store and I want to be as helpful to you as you were to me because you are the only person that I've ever seen that was willing to give your place up in the line in order to help me. And it meant so much to me. People, we just don't realize what an impact we can have on other people's lives just by these very small actions. Maybe somebody is struggling to get the right amount of money or don't. Maybe they don't have the last dollars or so to pay. Reach into your pocket and pay, help pay their bill. Do something that you're not expecting something in return for. 
do something for somebody that you know can't give you something back in return. Um, one day I was pulling out of our neighborhood and I was stopped at the light and we, we live close to the hospital. And this Afro-American man, oh, he looked so beat down. And he was walking in front of my car across the street, headed down the street. I knew he you know, was headed toward Alberta, out in this area. And um, he was limping. And I, had, I saw the tag on his arm where it showed that he had been in the hospital. And uh, I leaned out my window, rolled my window down, and I said, are you, do you have a long way to go? Because I'm, I'm more than willing to, to give you a ride. And he was so flabbergasted. He came limping back. His leg was not in good shape. And he got in the car and he said, I, I have to go way out in Alberta. And I, I don't know how I was going to make it. And I said, well, come on, I'll take you out there. And then on the way, I said, have you had anything to eat? No, ma'am, I haven't had anything to eat, and I don't have anything to give to my family. So we stopped, got him a big meal. I mean, a big meal for he and his family. And um, I was late running to an appointment, so I called my husband up, and I said, Larry, come on down here to this to the restaurant, the place, the fast food. And uh, help me take this gentleman to his home. And so my husband jumped in his car and came down there. And he uh, took, we changed out, and he took this gentleman to his home. And he was he was the most grateful person that you could ever be. He, he was flabbergasted that somebody not only would pick him up, would, but would be willing to buy his whole family their meal. You know... Let me tell you something. We have got to get out of ourselves.